Welcome to Real Christianity, where our mission is to bring the church back to the Bible. My name is Dale Partridge, and I'm the president of Relearn.org and Reformation Seminary. The premise of this show is simple. The culture is growing darker. The church is in need of sound doctrine, and many Christians are hungry for the truth. Join me here each week as we look to Scripture and discover what it really means to be a Christian. Welcome to Real Christianity. My name is Dale Partridge. Today's episode is titled Homosexuality, the Sum of Self-Worship. Now, as you know, this show has been an audio ministry and video ministry of relearn.org. If you're watching the video recording of this episode, please be sure to also subscribe to the podcast version of Real Christianity. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, You can also follow our ministry on just about every social media platform. Now, in light of today's conversation, I did want to quickly mention two things. First, uh, we have a man problem in the West. Namely, we have forgotten what it means to be a man. And it's my belief that the only way to restore biblical manhood is to learn about the manliness of Christ. And that's why I wrote my new book, The Manliness of Christ. Uh, The subtitle is How the Masculinity of Jesus Eradicates Effeminate Christianity. Uh, You can get copies for yourself or your men's group at our website by going to relearn.org forward slash man. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash man. So for today, we are going to be uh, talking about uh, Romans chapter one, verses 26 through 27. Last week, we went through Romans 24, 1, 24 through 25, and we learned what God does with atheists. We learned the idea of you know humanity rejecting God um, and that there's no excuse for atheism. Uh, the text told us that those who deny God, uh, they are not seeing God in creation. Uh, they're redirecting their impulse to worship toward idols. Uh, they are exchanging the truth of God and the glory of God for lies. And number four, uh, they're worshiping the creature rather than serving the creator. This was the context, again, about 18 through 24. Um, and as a result, what God says in the scriptures is that he hands them over to their sinful desires. God handed them over. In fact, verse 24 says that God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. In other words, we learn that atheism and the misdirection of worship toward the creature instead of the creator results in God's grace withdrawing from someone's life. Uh, And that withdrawing basically results in unrestrained desire for sin. It's a searing of the conscience. It's a pulling back of common grace and it manifests itself in sexual immorality. That's what happens when we worship idols, when we reject God that we see in creation. God hands us over to our sin. It manifests itself in God withdrawing his common grace, the conviction of the conscience, and it it, uh, results in sexual immorality. It results in this desire for self-pleasure and uh, an unrestrained um, desire or unrestrained uh, path toward sinful behavior. Today in verses 26 through 27, we're going to see the full extent of that manifestation. We're going to see exactly how far sexual depravity and uh, deviation can go, and ultimately what occurs as a result of God's absence in a person's life. So let's go ahead. We're going to read Romans 18, 
uh, Romans 1, 18 through 27. I want you guys to grasp the entire concept or a context here. And so this is going to be a good chunk of scripture, but go ahead and just follow along as I read here. I'm going to be reading in the NASB, the 1995 edition. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason... God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons, the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things that to do the things which are not proper. Wow, what a passage of scripture. This is a uh, an extensive overview of exactly what happens when someone rejects God, walks in an atheistic attitude, um, worships self, worships the creature rather than the creator. This is God pulling away, handing them over to uh, de depraved passions, uh, sexual immorality, the common grace of the Lord pulls back. So in today's pa uh, passage, we're gonna be really working through three main clauses in the text. And those clauses are, number one, God gave them over to degrading passions. That's kind of the main banner of the first section in 26. God gave them over to degrading passions. Number two is their women exchanged the natural for the unnatural. And number three is the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned with lust toward another. So those toward one another, actually, I should say there. There's basically those three main clauses that we're gonna be dealing with. Verse 26, let's just go from the beginning here and we're gonna go verse by verse, break it down. It says, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women, exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. Now the word for this reason is a result clause. Um, it, Paul could have said, as a result, as a result, God gave them over to degrading passions. Uh, for that reason, we wanna see the connection of this statement in verse 26 with the previous statement in verses 25 and 24. So Paul is saying that their rejection of God uh, that manifested in sexual immorality, you know, so that they would, uh, they would be handed over to a dishonoring of their bodies, as it said in verse 25, resulted in God giving them over to degrading passions. And what we have to see here is this cascading uh, severity of self-appointed afflictions. 
Okay, I'm gonna say that again. A cascading severity of self-appointed afflictions that God continues to hand them over because of this and because of that, that God hands them over and because of that, God hands them over and it gets deeper and darker and deeper and darker. So God permits... Uh, these things to occur as a result of the rejection of him and their idolatry. Now, when you read this whole section of chapter one, you start to see that God makes this statement, God gave them over, or God gave them over, God gave them over three times in this section. The first time is in chapter one, verses 24, where it says, quote, God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity. The second time is in verse 127, where it says, God gave them over to degrading passions. And then the third time is in verse 28, which is the next uh, sermon that we'll be talking about, but we'll talk about it here for a second, is 128 and it says, God gave them over to a depraved mind. And so when we reject God and we, we direct our worship to the creature rather than the creator toward idols, God draws back from a person's life, permitting their sin to overtake their lives, basically to rule uh, their hearts. Basically, he removes his grace from their lives. And as a result, he hands their hearts over or he hands over their hearts to passions uh, and their minds to sins. That's essentially what happens here. In other words, when a person rejects God, God exits their life, allowing their fallen desires to dominate their affections. Okay, I want you to grasp that. When God, when, when a person rejects God, God exits their life, allowing their fallen desires to dominate their affections. And as a result, sexual deviance takes roots. It distorts their life. It distorts their understanding of God. It rules their hearts. It eliminates the opportunity for true joy and leaves them on an unrestrained path toward hell. That's exactly what happens in the midst of atheistic desires or, uh, or, uh, or idolatry. And so let's just get back to our verse here where it says, God gave them over to degrading passions. This is the moral description uh, of the behaviors to follow in the text, right? God gave them over to degrading passions and this passage is basically gonna explain what those degrading passions are. Degrading passions are like the banner that rides above or flies above uh, these descriptive actions and behaviors below. And so uh, I wanna just first talk about what degrading means. Uh, the word degrading in the Webster's Dictionary is defined as a cause of a loss of self-respect or humiliating. Uh, this is actually translated in the ESV as dishonoring. Uh, the New King James translates this word as vile. So these are dishonoring passions. These are vile passions. This is something that we are seeing as not a positive thing. So the description of these behaviors is not good. Therefore, we want to understand what are these degrading, uh, dishonorable, and vile passions. And so he goes on to identify them with specificity uh, and what these passions are. So he lists two sex or two specific sexual manifestations, one for the woman and one for the man. And we're going to talk about each of these in detail, but let's just first look at what scripture says uh, is the object, again, of these degrading, dishonoring, and vile passions. So number one, this is the first one to the women and the second one to the men. The first one is, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural 
And in the same way also, number two, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Okay, these are the, uh, the degrading, dishonorable, and vile passions that God has handed them over. They have manifested themselves in clearly what Paul is talking about is homosexuality. And so as we know, homosexuality is a sin that permeates our modern culture, that's uh, confronting the church aggressively. And I believe it's important that we understand what the Bible's perspective is on this matter of the perversion of sexual relations. So first, to be clear, this isn't a new position in scripture. Homosexuality has been forbidden by God uh, since the very uh, beginning of the Old Testament. We go back even to Leviticus 18.22. It says, quote, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. That word abomination is one of the strongest words in scripture. Uh, it's almost hard to uh, translate how intense that verbiage is, but it says you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. First uh, Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, end quote. First uh, Timothy 1.10, the sexually immoral, quote, or comma, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Homosexuality is forbidden cover to back cover in scripture. Kevin DeYoung in his book, Homosexuality, writes, quote, from the first chapters of the Bible to the Torah, to the New Testament, there is no hint that homosexuality is acceptable behavior for God's people. To think the Bible affirms homosexuality takes more than special pleading. It requires a denial of the plain teaching of scripture End quote. Okay, guys, just there's just a firm evidence, ultimate clarity when you look at the historical, cultural, grammatical context of homosexuality. There is no possible way that you can twist and do theological gymnastics to make homosexuality an accepted act, act for the Christian life. Um, now, second, th this passage uses several words to describe the, vi the, the Bible's view of homosexuality. And I wanna talk about this because these words help us bring color and comprehension to the descriptors that God uses to uh, identify homosexuality. And those words will help us understand how intense the scriptures are against homosexuality. First, uh, homosexuality is, quote, under the banner of degrading, dishonorable, and vile. Uh, we know that already. We read that. That's that's the banner above it. Second, it's described as unnatural. The ESV, uh, the ESV describes that as contrary to nature. Third, it's described as an abandonment of the natural function of the human body. So it's a uh, biological perversion, essentially, is what we're seeing there. Fourth, it's described as uh, indecent or shameless, depending on which uh, translation you're looking at. Fifth, it's described as deserving of penalty. This is something that is unrighteous, that, it that is deserving of penalty. Sixth, it's described as error. 
It's not according to sound doctrine. It's error. It's away from the way that God wants us to live. It's away from the way that God has designed the human body to work. And seventh, it's described as not proper. There is no way that you can twist this in to being a positive thing in scripture. It's absolutely impossible. Now, again, I don't want you to see this text in isolation. Um, Homosexuality is not simply some ridiculous divine rule uh, from God against humanity to prevent them from doing what they want. That's not what homosexuality is. Now, homosexuality, according to Romans 1, is, number one, a prime result of godlessness. Uh, Number two, it's the ultimate physical and emotional outcome of a person who rejects God and worships self. Number three, homosexuality is one of the central manifestations of God's grace being removed from a person's life uh, for their atheism and idolatry. Uh, Number four, and this is my final point, is that uh, homosexuality is the consequence of giving the worship and servitude that is due to God to idols or to self. And so, in other words, homosexuality is the breaking of God's design for human fruitfulness. That's really what we're going to get to at the core of this message. John Piper once described it this way, and I want you to pay attention. This is a little bit of a heavy quote, and I need you to kind of stay along with me because there's some big language here, and I'll take it slow, but I want you to grasp this because we're going to unpack it here shortly. He says, quote, God and humanity in covenant worship are represented by male and female in covenant sexual union. Therefore, when humanity turns from God to worship self, God hands us over to what we have chosen and dramatizes it by male and female turning to images of themselves for sexual union, namely their own sex. Homosexuality is the judgment of God dramatizing the exchange of the glory of God for images of ourselves. Did you guys grasp that? That is a magnificent explanation of the theological and the spiritual complexities of homosexuality. Um, we have to understand that God is a God of symbolism. We learn, uh, we learn about God through symbolic means. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean there. He knows that we are a forgetful people and he's built in physical practices or physical symbols to remind humanity of spiritual truths or our spiritual roles. In scripture, husbands and wives represent Christ and the church. Uh, you know, it's the earthly, it's the earthly uh, role play, if you will, of the heavenly realities of the gospel. That's what marriage becomes in a male and female traditional heterosexual view of marriage. Ephesians 5, 22 through 30 tells us that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and wives are to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. And so when this occurs physically in our lives, we we more fully understand the beauty of the gospel. When we see this and it plays out, it manifests in a physical dimension, we get to understand the spiritual realities. So again, God's given us these physical roles that teach us spiritual truths. It's It's a symbolic meaning there that we understand that represents the gospel. 
So when marriage is ordered according to God, uh, according to the way that he has laid out in scripture, humanity can fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply. However, when humanity rejects God's purpose for marriage and the design and structure for male and female relationships uh, and, and people pursue self, God hands these people over to themselves. Now, essentially what the Bible teaches here is that in a, in a sense, God's saying, you want to worship God, I'll put you in a relationship that magnifies the gospel. But if you want to worship self, I'm going to put you in a relationship that magnifies self-worship. It's essentially what is being said by here, here and also by John Piper. In short, homosexuality is the ultimate expression of sin-centered self-love. It's the ultimate expression. Do you understand that? It, it, it denies God's design for otherness. It designs God's design for the male and female compatibility. And instead, what it does is it chooses to magnify the selfish passion of, quote, more me. And it says to their partner in a homosexual relationship, I don't want the opposite of me. I want more of me in you. And that's really what's happening. It's dramatized selfishness. As Piper said, it's the perversion of the natural order. It's suicide of reproduction and the rejection of the spiritual purpose that God has placed for divine uh, or for intimate love in marriage. It's much more than what the culture has made it out to be. It's much more than a sexual deviation. There is so much thick theological depth here that we need to understand. So catch this with me. The marital drama that's played out between a husband and a wife that's supposed to magnify the divine love that is seen and captured and experienced in the gospel between God and his people has now been perverted in homosexuality. Okay, in the same way that God shows us the beauty of the gospel through heterosexual marriage, uh, God in his judgment shows us the vileness of self-worship through homosexual union. It's a very deep and complex topic here, but this is what Romans 1 is talking about. So when we exchange the way of God for the way of self, again, God dramatizes our desire for self. He gives us more of it in someone else. He gives us more of it in our own selfish desires. Piper says, quote, God decrees that this disordering of our relationship to him be dramatized in the disordering of our sexual relations with each other, end quote. Okay, so homosexuality, it's just, again, it's much more than a dysfunctional sexual orientation between two people. It's, it's the physical manifestation of self-worship. Uh, in context with our passage in Romans, it's the ultimate physical result of turning away from God. That's what this passage is saying. You want to worship you want, you want to reject God in creation? You want to reject God in your desire to worship idols and worship self? God is going to pull back. He's going to hand you over to these sexual impure desires. And that's going to further be handed over to a, a degrading passion. That degrading passion will manifest itself in homosexuality. That homosexuality will manifest itself in a depraved mind. And it just goes down in this, again, self-appointed, self-afflicted uh, problems of sin. And so it's a very complex issue that we need to pay attention here. Um, in an issue of Table Talk magazine produced by Ligonier Ministries, one theologian said, quote, what are we to think of a passage like Romans 1, 26 through 27? The Bible defines homosexual desires as, quote, contrary to nature, not an equal alternative orientation. 
Homosexuality is a, quote, dishonorable passion that, quote, consumes men and women, leading to shameless behavior. The strong emotional pull of lust and the affection shared between persons in a homosexual relationship, whatever those affections may be called, cannot properly be called, quote, love. After all, love, quote, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, 1 Corinthians 13.6, and homosexuality is wrongdoing, end quote. This is complex and powerful stuff for the church to understand. So now, having said all of that, having said that, I want to be very clear here. I am no greater or wiser or better than any single person in the LGBTQ community whatsoever. I'm simply redeemed. I've simply been saved. I'm not redeemed because of anything that I did. I'm not redeemed because of anything that I chose. I'm not redeemed for any of that. Besides the simple fact, I'm redeemed because someone decided to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. I was convicted of my sin. I repented of my sin and I trust in Jesus Christ alone. And so uh, I was just like every human being that was born in sin and lost. I needed to be born again. I was an enemy of God, but now I'm his son. Uh, I was addicted and broken and lost, but now I'm found. I'm found because Christ found me. The, the sheep don't look for the shepherd. The shepherd looks for the sheep. So every human being, as I said, is born sinful and lost. And it's why Jesus in John 3, 3 commands that we must all be born again. If you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we must be born again. So many people in the homosexual community say, I was born that way. I go, yes, I understand you were born that way. You were born that way with these dishonorable and broken desires. I was born that way with dishonorable and broken desires. And that's why we must be born again. So again, whether you are living a homosexual lifestyle, if you're gay, lesbian, transgender, whatever that may be, what I would just suggest you to do is come to Christ, lay your pride at the foot of the cross, repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. So we need to work on exchanging our desire to serve self, to serve the creator. That is exactly at the core of the gospel. We need to be seeing that our desires for self are wicked against a holy God. Uh, our worship is only due to, uh, to the creator. The only reason we have that impulse to worship in us is because God has given it to us to maintain our relationship with him. Now, this is the message of scripture. This is what scripture teaches on the issue of homosexuality. It's not difficult to understand, but it is difficult to swallow. When we are fallen, when we are lost, we don't have the understanding, the Holy Spirit guiding us and giving us comprehension of scripture. These are offensive statements. This is hate speech to the culture. Nevertheless, the only way that God saves people is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. We need to get out there, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to individuals in the LGBTQ community. Let them know that God is in the business of turning his enemies into his friends. And we, we know that God loves saving people giving them that new birth, changing those affections, changing those passions. We know that Jesus, when he comes and rescues a life, doesn't just change what we do. He changes also what we want to do. He changes those affections. And that's exactly what needs to occur with those people who are struggling with the sin of homosexuality. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Let me close in prayer. And then I'll close with just a quick message. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you have not left us with... Uh, 
no clarity. We, we thank you that we're not here guessing what you uh, want us to do and how you want us to live. We thank you for this passage of scripture that is stern and clear and gives us boundaries on how we can honor you with our sexuality and how we can honor you with our worship. Lord, we ask that anybody who's listening to this right now, whether by video, whether by podcast, Lord, that you would bless them with the wisdom of understanding. Anybody that's struggling with these sins, that you would bring conviction, that you would give them the new birth, that you would save them and rescue them and bring them into your kingdom, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, guys. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Real Christianity. Uh, I hope today's content was edifying for you in your walk with Christ. That is the goal here at relearn.org is to bring Christians back to the Bible, to look at the scriptures, not through the lens of our emotions, but to look at it through the historical, cultural, grammatical context of the scriptures and to really bring you back to a journey of biblical truth and sound doctrine. Um, Lastly, I'd like to ask you guys, would you prayerfully considering, uh, consider supporting us? We are a ministry that is passionate about the gospel. We're passionate about theological and biblical literacy in the church. We, all of this stuff, this set, everything that we're doing here, it's not cheap. And having the people that do the editing and do the motion graphics and do the recording and buying the equipment and, and funding the other projects and writing different books, all those things cost a significant amount of money. And we really rely on completely on our donors. And so if you're interested in supporting us, again, you can always do that at relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, that's relearn.org forward slash donate. Again, my name is Dale Partridge. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Christianity and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Real Christianity. Real Christianity is a listener supported audio ministry of relearn.org. Our mission at relearn.org is to bring the church back to the Bible. We achieve this through strengthening Christians in biblical and theological literacy. Find biblical articles, podcasts, sermons, and videos at our website at relearn.org. Our team is small, but our mission is large, and we need your help. If you'd like to support our ministry financially, you can always do so at relearn.org forward slash donate. Thank you again for joining me today, and I hope to see you next week for another episode of Real Christianity.